0: Fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league.
1: Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Well, by my unofficial count, 20 of the top 33 running backs on draft day last year were busts. 20 of the first 33 that were selected were busts last year. Welcome to part two of our Running Backs Preview. Basically going to be uh mostly average draft position starting right at the top and going through the end of the draft. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, and Heath Cummings. Oh my gosh, Jamie, 20 of the top 33? What does that mean for running backs?
0: Mean means you're a Debbie Downer.
1: Yeah, I know, right? I mean, do uh, you want to hear the names? Sure. Okay. Not including holdouts and suspensions. These were busts, in my opinion. You could can, can fight some of them. David Johnson, third overall. I don't I think mild bust. Bust. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Jordan Howard, Devontae Freeman, Jarek McKinnon, LaShawn McCoy, Alex Collins, Royce Freeman, Kenyon Drake at the end of round three, beginning of round four, certainly a non PPR he was a bust. Derrick Henry, I'm gonna call him a bust. Took him twelve weeks to get good. Jay Ajayi, Mark Ingram wasn't very good when he came back. Marshawn Lynch, Deion Lewis, Carlos Hyde, Rex Burkhead, Jamal Williams, Rashad Penny and Peyton Barber. Those were 20 names I just read there out of the top 33. Not very good. Uh, Did we notice any common themes there? I mean, a lot of unproven players. Injuries. Injuries. I counted
2: eight injured running backs from that list. Definitely there were
1: some injuries. Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Freeman, Jarek McKinnon, yeah, etc. It's a mix, though. Young and old. Heath, there's no discrimination when it comes to running back busts.
3: No, I'm just going to push back against Kenyon Drake being a bust last year. But besides that, this is what we've been talking about for the last couple of days when we talked about the possibility of going with the zero running back strategy, or at least starting with a pair of wide receivers. They are much, much safer, much less likely to bust. And sure, they don't have the upside. If you hit on one of those top three or four running backs, you're going to be very happy you took a running back in the first round. But as you just illustrated with math, there's a two, 67% chance that they're going to bust.
1: Well, that was last year. The year before that, it was like half of the top 24, not even, about 10 or 11. 2017, David Johnson went first overall. He got hurt. Devontae Freeman was a mild bust. Jay Ajayi got traded that year. I would call him a bust. He was 14th overall. DeMarco Murray was a bust, 15th overall. Dalvin Cook got hurt. Isaiah Crowell was a bust. Ty Montgomery was a third-round pick. Uh, Bilal Powell, yeah. Uh, Doug Martin, C.J. Anderson, Amir Abdullah. So, a lot of, uh, like, the, I don't know. Again, some unproven. Lions running
0: backs never bust.
1: Lions running backs never bust. You should feel great about Kerryon Johnson. They haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher. They haven't had a 900-yard rusher. I think it was Reggie Bush in 2013. It's well six far. years.
2: Okay, well,
1: we're going to be a little more optimistic. I want to read an email here. This is from a guy from Chicago. Dave, you know everybody in Chicago. What's this guy's name?
2: This sounds like a saw. Saul. Saul okay.
1: Saul wanted us to know about a zero RB team that he had that almost won the championship last year. He was listening to our show yesterday. He says, Dear Vince, Turtle, E, and Drama. And I don't want to give any unpopular takes, so I won't tell everyone how bad I think that show was. Um, Last year, in a 10-team half PPR league, I had the seventh pick. I went with DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Then I grabbed Alex Collins in round five, Russell Wilson, Jamal Williams in round seven. So that's seven rounds without one good running back. And then he took on Johnson, Corey Davis, Trey Burton, James White, Aaron Jones, etc. So on Johnson in round eight is a 10-team league. James White in round 11, Aaron Jones in round 12. The reason I brought this one up, I want to know what you think about this strategy He took both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Remember, Aaron Jones was facing a two-game suspension, and it worked. Williams was terrible, but it didn't matter. It came at the expense of, of Aaron Jones being awesome. Do you think, I'll start with you, Heath, do you think it makes sense to double up on a backfield late in a draft? And if so, who are some backfields you might target?
3: I think it makes more sense in an offense that you think is going to be good like we expected from the Packers last year. I'm trying to rack my brain now for running backs Eagles. that are b- both available. I mean, Eagles. Yeah, no, it's not the same situation. Uh, well, I mean, it could you could see Miles Sanders well, take it over that role at some point, right? Oh, I I think Miles Sanders should be the best running back in Philadelphia. I think he's the most talented. I think he should get the most touches. But I don't believe there's like 17, 18 touch per game upside.
1: Okay. So, so, there, so there's no, there's no solution. There's no, there team. is
3: who, who we um, got. <laughs> like, I guess, I guess the one you might think of is Tampa Bay. Yeah. I could take both of them.
1: I, is that a smart very, thing to do? Very Dave, late. Dave and Jamie. Uh, well, what's, d-
0: what's the, what's the, what's the, the parameters are you are taking two guys at what point?
1: Uh, Brown. Uh, Drake and blush. Round right. six, round six or later. Drake and
3: Belage. You can
0: do San
1: Francisco's backfield. Could yep. But who would you take if you were going to do
0: that? I'd take Coleman and Breeder right now. Yes. Okay. Uh, I I, I,
1: mean, I think it could, I, yeah I think it has merit though just overall.
0: You could you could just you know if it's if it's PPR you probably can get David Montgomery and Mike Davis.
1: I was thinking about that one there because you know you might have to take Montgomery a late round four pick or something, but Davis goes so late. It's not a bad idea. No,
0: Montgomery won't go round four. He may go round five, but in PPR, he may fall to round six.
1: Montgomery round five, you're saying? I think he's definitely a round five pick
0: in a 12-team league, no matter the format. I think in PPR, he could slip to round six.
1: Okay. Well, I hope he's... Yeah, right now, according to ADP, in half PPR, he is uh, a round five pick. Um, All right, so let's get into average draft position here. We're going to talk about so many guys today. We're going to talk about some of our favorite stats. And our favorite players. And we we got into it with sort of the high-end guys yesterday. But right now, it's Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and Christian McCaffrey. And we said yesterday Ezekiel Elliott should go fourth as of right now if you're drafting right now on August 8th. However, if he signs tomorrow, how would you guys rank the top four? Dave, why don't we start with you? Give me your top four rankings. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but your top four uh, for non-PPR
2: and then PPR. Zeke's at the top in non-PPR. I would take him first, followed by Saquon, Kamara, and McCaffrey. And in PPR, he's going to be fourth anyway. I would go Kamara first, Barkley second, McCaffrey third in, in full PPR. Okay, Or half PPR.
1: And that remember, that was with the assumption that Zeke signs tomorrow. So Jamie, how about you? Your non PPR and your PPR top four?
0: Uh non PPR of Zeke signs tomorrow would be Zeke, Barkley, Camara, McCaffrey. PPR would be Barkley, Zeke, McCaffrey,
3: Camara. Heath. We all three have the same top four in non PPR. Zeke, Barkley, Camara, McCaffrey. Mine don't change as much in PPR as everybody else. It seems like I'd go Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, McCaffrey.
1: Okay, so well, Jamie, you also have Zeke two in PPR, right? Yes. Okay, and Dave has him four. Dave, you, he seventy-seven catches last year. And again, just, this, is, this is the assumption that he signs tomorrow. Seventy-seven catches last year, Dave, for Zeke. Not, not thinking that's going to happen again. And better with the no, I don't think Cooper. it
2: would be. Right. I, I think just the the cosmetic additions of Randall Cobb and Jason Witten, they're not going to be big for fantasy, but they're going to take targets away from Zeke. If you're going to tell me Zeke catches 50 passes, I'm with you. But 77, I don't see happening.
0: Yeah, the touchdowns will make up the difference in the catches that he loses because he's not scoring. What do you have? Six rushing touchdowns? That's ridiculous.
2: Six rushing, three receiving.
1: Yeah, very strange. Yeah, for he, 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 may, he may double that. Yeah. Uh, and he had, uh, in 16 games with Amari Cooper, he was on pace for 448 touches and 104 catches. Very, very uh, encouraging stuff there. But I don't think he'll be able to repeat that. Nobody does. Okay, so anybody that... How about half PPR? Let me get you on that. Half PPR, does anything change drastically there with the top four?
3: Nah. My half PPR would be the same as my PPR. Yeah, agreed.
1: Okay. All right, so then after the top four, David Johnson is sixth overall. Le'Veon Bell is eighth overall. And James Conner is eleventh overall, and that rounds out your first round: David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and James Conner. If you're watching our video, by the way, you can do that if you have CBS All Access. You can watch the full show. If you just want to see some clips, go to youtube.com/slash Fantasy Football Today. Um, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, James Conner are six, are uh, excuse me, five, six, and seven at the running back position. The order changes a little bit on Fantasy Pros, but um, your thoughts on those guys going in the first round?
2: I'm all good with Johnson and Connor going in the first round. It's Levion that I just I can't get behind. He's not going to be the same guy. Not going to get the same amount of work, not playing behind the same type of offensive line, not playing in the same type of offense. It's it's not going to be a first round return for Levion Bell.
1: Okay, we talked Jamie talked a lot about him yesterday when we did busts. We're more comfortable with Levion Bell in the second round. Right, but no matter what we
0: say, he's going to get drafted in the first round just because people fall in love with the name and what the expectation could be of him in this chess offense?
1: Well, I think there's a lot to like. I mean, he's certainly the best running back in football for a stretch. And and as I illustrated yesterday, if you take away 25% of his production based on his 16-game pace over his last four seasons when he's been basically the best running back in football— you are actually you're talking about like RB eight or RB eight and non PPR, RB six and PPR based on last year's totals. That's with a pretty low touchdown rate. So that's, you know, something to keep in mind. That's more of a second round pick. Um James Conner is someone that I do want to talk about, though. Because Jamie, you said that Jalen Samuels is a sleeper for you, that they do want to get him more involved. I've mentioned it so many times James Conner, the receiving totals for him were super important because he had uh, 65 or fewer yards rushing in 8 of 13 games. So what do you think about Connor in round one?
0: We had uh, Evan Washburn on Training Camp Live, which is a show you can watch on CBS Sports HQ at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And Brady Quinn was also on the show. And Evan is with the Steelers. And Brady, obviously, is uh, is a very good NFL analyst. Um, they both said that you can expect to see a little bit more of a committee approach for the Steelers than we've seen in the past. And I I think it could happen. You know, I mean, to what level that remains to be seen. But, you know, uh, Brady brought up a great point that, you know, if you look at the touches for Connor in the beginning of the season and the way that he closed the year, including the injury, that he thinks the Steelers are going to learn from their mistake a little bit, you know, not only from the Le'Veon era of just running a guy into the ground, but, you know, maybe the same thing with Connor, and that Connor may not be suited to handle that Le'Veon type of role. So the draft pick of uh, Benny Snell and the continued talk of getting Samuels on the field, it may not be, you know, it's funny, like we hear the story out of Carolina about the reduction of snaps for Christian McCaffrey, but not necessarily the reduction of touches. I think for Connor, it could be something a little bit in reverse, where his snaps stay the same, where he's on the field as sort of like a threat, but he may not touch the ball. It's something to take into account, you know, and and again, it's, It's hard to go uh, against the history of what we've seen from the Steelers, you know, under Mike Tomlin with Roethlisberger, especially in the Le'Veon era of Bell doing everything when Bell's gone. D'Angelo came in and did everything. And then Connor last year did everything until he got hurt. But I I just wonder if this is maybe a little bit of a, a slight shift in philosophy and it could just downgrade Connor to what the high expectations are of him still being that same type of guy.
3: Yeah, I think I think the important thing is the slight shift part. And there was already a little like even the pace for James Conner last year wasn't what we saw touch wise from Levy on Bell. He was on pace for three hundred and thirty three touches over a 16 game season. I've downgraded that about 10 percent. I've got him projected for three hundred and one this year, 248 carries, fifty three catches. And that's with quite a bit of involvement for Jalen Samuels in the passing game. They've got a lot of targets to make up for, obviously. But even at 301, that's both a downgrade from what we've seen in Pittsburgh in the past and also better than what you would project for almost any running back other than the top four.
1: Yeah, and but it's so weird because Le'Veon Bell was on pace for 400-plus touches, about 407 in his previous four seasons, and Connor had—yeah? We're, we're, we're not getting that. Like that, no, like, no, no, we're that not. we not. But Connor but, had, Connor, but we had 15, don't need that. Connor had fifteen rushing touchdowns, or he was on pace for fifteen rushing right. touchdowns. Like that's just that's what Bell should have been getting, and Connor actually got the the work near the end zone. So I, I don't know. It, it sounds a little dicey to me as a first round pick based on everything we just said, but. Are you guys comfortable taking James Conner in the first round? I, I'm comfortable doing it in a non-PPR league. In a half-PPR league, probably as well. In a full PPR league, I'm a little concerned about it. I might lean wide receiver there. How do you guys feel, James Conner?
2: I, oh, I I still feel like there's enough there to take him in the first round in any format. Um, the, the, does this mean anything to you guys? They played one game together after Conner came back from the injury. Conner had 17 touches, 14 carries, 3 catches, it was their last game against Cincinnati. They were fighting for um, a, a slim chance of getting into the playoffs, so they were trying. Jalen yeah. Samuels had two carries in the game, but he also had seven catches for forty yards. Yep, that's what I've been saying for months. Yeah. I think maybe and, but, and maybe no, that's just no Antonio where, Brown in that game, as you recall. Uh huh. So maybe that's where this is headed. Is Connor still going to lead the way in carries? Still will be the guy inside the five. He'll still get a handful of catches. Maybe it works his way out to getting close to fifty catches by the end of the year. And Samuels, who was a converted tight end, a converted H-back anyway, he's going to get a bunch of catches as well, and that does give him some decent standalone value.
1: All right, so Melvin Gordon is next off the board. If you look at Fantasy Pro's ADP, but that's really a, a wide date range. If you look at Fantasy Football Calculator and a little bit more recent, Melvin Gordon's going at the end of the second round. And for us, he's you know, in our drafts he's been going more in the middle of the third round in a twelve team league, probably around thirtieth overall. When would you guys take Melvin Gordon?
0: Beginning of the fourth. End of
2: the third? Round six.
3: Yeah. No. I'll, I'll take him six? at the three four turn. And... Was, um five or great. six.
2: Wow. All right. You really don't want Yeah, I don't I don't want anything to do with him right now. And by Man. the way, if we're going to talk about running back combos to draft in round six or later, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson have to be included in that. Mix. Sure. sure. Yeah, it's just a risk. And you're just yeah, sure. you're, you're, you're
0: running the risk of Gordon coming back. It's the other side of it.
1: All right, we talked a lot about Todd Gurley yesterday. We're going to talk about him in a second. He's next off the board at 14th overall. If you want to hear more about David Johnson, please check out Running Backs Preview Part 1. All right, we're going to take a quick break on fantasy football today. When we come back, Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb. We skipped over Nick Chubb yesterday. No love for Nick Chubb. I am here to fix that. That's coming up next on FFT. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Well, last year, Nick Chubb only had seven carries inside the five-yard line. Not a big number. But remember, Carlos Hyde had a bunch of them, too. Carlos Hyde had ten. If you combine those two, 17 carries inside the five-yard line for Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde, that would have been the second most in the NFL behind only Todd Gurley. So as we get to the second round, there were you know a, a pretty decent amount of second-round busts last year. Jay Ajayi uh, and DeMarco Murray, really them. And then the third round was much worse than that. But, uh, all right, we got Gurley at 14. We got Mixon at 16, Chubb at 17, and Dalvin Cook at 19. I'm going to throw on Johnson in this mix because he should be there after the Theo Riddick news, and he will go in the second round in a lot of leagues. So how do you guys, Heath, how do you break that down? We got Gurley, Mixon, Chubb, Dalvin Cook, and on Johnson. Are there, and if you want to talk about Fournette, we can do that as well. Uh, are there guys you're definitely avoiding, guys that you're definitely targeting? How do you feel about this group of guys?
3: I think I've drafted Todd Gurley once this year. It was the very end of the second round, and he's at the back of this group for me, regardless of format, whether it's non-PPR or PPR. Joe Mixon's first in this group, regardless of format. So those are the only two things that are set in stone, though, because I feel like Chubb is one of those guys. We talk about guys whose value varies a lot from non-PPR to PPR, and his does for me because I've got him right behind Mixon when it comes to non-PPR, he falls behind Dalvin Cook and Kerry on Johnson in PPR formats. And it does kind of depend, though, because if something happens and Duke Johnson, just like this hamstring, air quotes, doesn't allow him to play at all. We might see Chubb more involved in the passing game, and that would give Chubb the potential to be a top five running back. But as it is right now, I think Johnson in the first half of the season and Kareem Hunt in the second half of the season is going to limit his upside a little too much in PPR.
1: So I, I'm, pretty, I'm getting excited about Chubb. I wasn't at first because of all of the things you just said, but like he was really, really good last year. And if you're going to break the mold and be a top-five running back without 50 catches, I think the Nick Chubb way is the way to do it. He's going to be certainly the primary ball carrier on what we think is going to be a very good offense. He'll probably get most uh, 90% of the goal-line touchdowns. He'll catch some passes. I mean, he could get 40 catches. And I don't know if he if he in the first eight games of the season is a total stud like he was after the high trade last year and maybe even better in his second season. I don't know how much Kareem Hunt's really going to affect him, you know, and, and I just because we completely glossed over him yesterday. I wanted to spend some time on Nick Chubb. Uh, but Dave, you have to Dave factor Jamie. in
0: what 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 Hunt could do. And that's the problem. It, it's if you want a guy who's going to get you off to a great start, he's the perfect guy. I mean, he could he could be the number one running back through the yeah. first eight games. I would not be surprised if that's the case. It's just a matter of what happens after that. And that's you just have to factor that in. It it it's impossible not to. It could be totally nothing, like you said, Adam, where Kareem Hunt doesn't do a thing and is just a break glass in case of emergency type of player, or he could take away fifty percent of the the touches for him. We don't know, and that's the that's the only uncertainty when it comes to Nick Chubb as a player. He's awesome. Freddie Kitchens has talked him up from when I spoke to him at the combine all the way through training camp and. We had Evan Washburn again. He was with Cleveland. He was on uh, on, on CBS Sports HQ with with uh, with our show on FFT, and said the same thing. And it, it's obvious you should love Nick Chubb, but it's just what happens when Kareem Hunt is there, and how many touches will he take away? I hope it's nothing. I really do. I hope it's just he's he's a he's a ten percent type of guy, but it could be worse. And that's the thing that you have to sort of worry about in any way, shape, or form when you're drafting him and comparing him to those other guys. Those other guys have huge, huge ceilings, but they have lower floors than Nick Chubb by far.
1: So, so how do you rank them? How, how do you rank Mixon, Gurley, Nick Chubb, on Johnson, Dalvin Cook?
0: It's it's all over the place for format. Gurley's behind those guys just because of the uncertainty with his knee. Mixon's ahead of them just because I think if everything goes right for him, he could be a top five guy. Uh, but, you know, Fournette, Cook, and Chubb are all in similar situations. If you said 16 games of Nick Chubb with no Kareem Hunt, if they had not made that move at all, he'd be like fifth, easily sixth. in 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 the top five conversation. Right, easily. In but general, we just don't we don't we don't know. That's the problem.
1: In general, do you like this group of running backs? Gurley, love Nixon, it. Chubb, Cook, carry on? You
2: love it. Love it. Dave? I like most of them. Who yeah, don't? I like most of them. You I don't think like these yeah, Gurley's a round three pick for me. Cook is two. But Chubb, Fournette, Johnson in that order, and Mixon ahead of all three of those guys, those are round two running backs. Oh, show.
1: Where does where do they go in terms of the top seven wide receivers and Travis Kelsey? How many of them are ahead of Kelsey? How many of them are behind Kelsey? You know.
2: Uh they're all behind Kelsey. Position scarcity is part of it, and just the way that a snake draft works is part of it. Uh, I'm going to value that tight end position quite a bit. So if I'm picking late in round one, and I choose to um, not go receiver receiver, Kelsey will go ahead of them, and then I might consider Bell or Mixon with one of those early round two picks. I'm I, I look at Chubb as a middle round two guy, Fournette and Johnson middle to late round two, and those are the types of running backs that you pair with one of the stud running backs in round one. If you're inclined to go running back, running back with your first two picks, that's a hell of a duo to have. But this
1: podcast is pretty pro-Leonard Fournette, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. we talked about to be. It's, well, it it's Well, no, I mean, he's. He, there, it's hard not to be in some respects because the workload is just going to be amazing, and that's what you look for. But at the other end of the spectrum, this guy's been terrible on a per-carry basis each of his two seasons. He's a pain in the butt sometimes. The coaching staff and the organization had soured on him. He's injury-prone, quite injury-prone. He was injury-prone in college. I, You know, I, I think a lot of people are going to be pushing back on... on I, Some people are going to be with you, for sure. He'll be a polarizing player. Some people are going to be pushing back on Leonard
2: Fournette. Uh, like, so like what me. sold me on it is just the the upside. The upside that he gives, he has given you double-digit fantasy points in non-PPR, 71% of his games. And 15-plus in PPR, 62% of his games. It's great consistency. Great consistency for late round two, by the way.
0: I uh, Adam, in our flex draft, where you uh, uh, shame somebody to drafting for you, uh-huh. Um, I got him in the late third round, and I was thrilled to death.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. That was really good. In an analyst draft, no less. Uh yep. was a three-receiver yep. league, So, but still. Um, okay, so how about Damian Williams? Damian Williams currently 26 overall. He did practice. He's back at practice. It, this is uh, Thursday, August 8th. Preseason football, by the way, tonight. Uh, Damian Williams, how does he fit in with this group of Gurley, Mixon, Chubb, Cook, On Johnson, and Leonard Fournette? Heath,
3: where do you have Damian Williams right now? He is behind most of that group. And again, this he is kind of the anti-Chubb. In non-PPR, I don't like him near as much. In PPR, I haven't really moved him down that much. I do have him ahead of Chubb in PPR, or ahead of Gurley in PPR. But behind him in non, he might actually have more upside than anyone in that group and a lower floor than anyone in that group. And listen, the first day back at practice, he was not taking even a majority of the first-team snaps. I want to see over the next week how that hamstring reacts. I'm going to be very concerned if at some point in early mid-August, Williams has another setback with the hamstring. And I think Andy Reid will be as well. But if he doesn't, and if that was just a little blip on the radar, and Damian Williams is the starting running back week one and the starting running back week 16, you're most likely looking at a top five running back. I never what? doubted Damian Williams <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look,
0: it, it's it's. uh, I, I agree with everything he said. He said it's just it, it the and and I'll try and stay consistent with this. That I I think he's the best guy. I hope he's the best guy because of where he's being drafted so far and what the upside is for him. But if he can't stay on the field, it's obviously a huge problem for him. If you're investing a second round pick in him, and he's in the same category, I think you have to put him in the same category with Bournet, with Cook, with Gurley with carry on of anybody that has an injury concern because a, we've never seen it from Damien Williams before. And and I hate to use that argument because it's the same thing about talking about a rookie, but we haven't seen it from him in a, in a featured role, but there's five years of him being in the NFL and never either a taking advantage of the situation because he can stay healthy or be never getting the opportunity. And when he did get the opportunity last year, it was fantastic. But can he do it from day one? And so far the answer is no. So I hope to see him take advantage of the situation and perform at what an Andy Reid-type running back can be. But there's a veteran that they like, and there's a young guy that they like, and that may be a problem for him.
1: Would you guys take on Johnson or Damian Williams? Carry on. Carry on.
2: Wow! Yeah. Would you take uh, Dalvin Cook or, or Damian Williams? It, it was Riddick getting cut that pushed me over the top on on huh? I'll take Williams over Cook. Yeah, I'll take Dalvin. Yeah, I, I think Dalvin's got a much higher ceiling just as a player. Uh,
0: the situation it makes it very, very close because, again, you know Andy Reid and his his history suggests awesomeness, but pedigree it it's Dalvin by far. And so if he stays healthy, he'll be better.
1: So I gotta tell you, I mean this is this is a make or break group of running backs, and then you can throw in Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack in this group because they're both going in the top 32 picks as well. So, when you... Jones will, Jones will slide, though. Uh, well, I don't know if people are going to... If he's back at practice soon, then I don't know. But I'm not convinced. How, how far do you think he'd slide?
0: I think he slides to- closer to the end of the third round and maybe into the fourth round. And and remember, you know, uh, our, our drafts help dictate that because, you know, people look at our mock drafts and our rankings are starting to slide with him, too. You know, especially if you're looking at our ADP.
1: Well, all I'm saying is, and then you want to throw Devontae Freeman in there. Man, it's an enticing group. There, there Freeman's gonna rise. Serious upside. I don't think that he should. <laughs> um I, I just man, do they split carries in Atlanta? Bottom line, you but, can you can make cases for and against these guys. They scare they excite me and scare me at the same time. I I don't and I love the wide receivers going in this range. So I don't know. If I if I have a top four pick. I might regret it, but I've, I've been finding myself passing these guys up a lot and that upsets me because I do want to share of these guys, but uh, just reading the busts from the previous two years and how many of them were second and third round picks who we no doubt were extremely excited about this time of year, 2017. Nobody liked
0: Derek McKinnon last year. <laughs>
1: no. I mean, I was excited about J. H. I, you know, Dalvin cook himself, Leonard Fournette at times. It's, Alex, Alex Collins. I mean, God,
2: um,
3: you know. <laughs> well, I, that's the I one like, that sticks just, out for me. If you look at this group, and and I, you want to start with Le'Veon Bell. That's fine. You want to start with Dalvin Cook, but you just go down the list: Dalvin Cook, Kerryon Johnson, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, Devontae Freeman, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, Damian Williams. That group of running backs, I we were talking about twenty to thirty percent of the top 24 busting the bust rate in that group's probably closer to 40 percent this year i would guess now i'm not gonna go out, go out and say for sure which four or five it's going to be and there's a couple of them that are probably going to make the leap into the top six running backs this year but this is an extremely volatile group. I know. And if you want safety this is why you take wide receiver in this range
0: that's huge, I mean, that's huge ceiling thank you huge, huge ceiling and in a lot of cases low floor
1: <laughs> okay uh uh, we, we can take a break in a second here, but I, I want to talk about Aaron Jones. Brutal schedule, but he showed in 2017 that he could do very well against a tough schedule. He faced some pretty good run defense. He only had four games in 2017 where he had big work, and he was good in all of them, I th- uh, three or four of the four, and they were tough. Ske- that was a tough schedule. Last year when Aaron Jones went on his, his awesome run midseason, it was a seven-game stretch where he was terrific. He was on pace for like 16 touchdowns on a per-game basis, he would have been RB9 in both formats. Uh, the competition was extremely easy for Aaron Jones in that stretch. Except for one game against Minnesota, in which he did pretty well. Uh, again, a lot to like. A lot that scares me. If he gets off to a slow start against the Bears and Vikings, do, do they get Jamal Williams or or somebody else more involved? How do you feel about Aaron Jones? At one point, he was basically my favorite breakout. I, I don't have quite as much enthusiasm. Um, obviously, the injury doesn't help, but you know, where are you guys right now on Aaron Jones?
0: So Pete just spent a lot of time with the Packers and their joint practice with the Texans. And I asked him, you know, what, what did you see from the line, you know, and, and how do they look? And he said it could be one of the better ones in the league, you know, if Billy Turner ends up doing, you know, what they hope he can do uh, with Bakhtiari, you know, the other guys that they have there. Uh, I think if everything stays healthy for the Packers, which we know is in a, been a big problem for them, you know, from the quarterback on down, then Jones has a chance to still be productive even in the tough games because he'll be more involved in the passing game. I think the offense will be a little bit more creative, and obviously Rodgers makes such a huge difference. But that schedule is brutal. If we show the schedule again, I was just thinking about this as I was looking at it. If you could somehow find a way to pair Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones, obviously you'd like to start both those guys from week one on. But look what happens when you get to week seven and how the schedule lightens up for them. I mean, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Chargers should be decent. The Panthers could be decent. But it's not as brutal as it is in the first six weeks of the season just based on those defenses that they're facing. And so if Chubb does have any sort of fall off with Kareem Hunt, it's not a bad stretch until you get to week 15 for using Aaron Jones. So, you know, clearly you'd like to have both those guys in your roster. It's not like you wanted to say, I'm going to bench Nick Chubb for Aaron Jones and vice versa. But in terms of like getting RB1 production... It could potentially happen for you. I I just think that that Jones is a good number two running back, but from a guy like for me, I had him as high as thirteen. He was one of my you know high end, you know low end number one, high end number two type of guys. I I just think they're they're you know you you throw the injury on top of everything. It's just hard to say that you can guarantee him to be better than Gurley, to be better than Jacobs, to be better than Freeman when all those guys have I think maybe not as many flaws and just as much upside.
1: Okay. Let's take a break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, we will talk a little bit about Devontae Freeman. Marlon Mack is going 31st overall. Then Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, the Broncos running backs, the Patriots running backs, the Bears running backs. All that is up next right after this quick break. Next group of running backs, guys, as we get into the middle of round three in a 12-team league and beyond, uh, Marlon Mack, guys we haven't talked about. Marlon Mack, uh, Leonard Fournette, we have talked about. We like him. Derek Henry, Devontae Freeman. So Heath, your your breakdown of Mack, Henry, and Freeman.
3: Henry doesn't belong in this group until he gets back on the field. And Mack was a guy who I had as a PPR bust at least earlier in the year, but so many guys in this range have gone the wrong direction. Henry, Philip Lindsay, Aaron Jones, that I've actually got Mac as a pretty strong number two running back now in both formats. I'm fine with him. I'm much more excited in non PPR. I do think there's a lot of upside in this offense. I'm worried he won't maintain the touchdown rate from last year, and I'm worried about his health as well, but at least he's healthy right now. Freeman's my favorite running back of this group, and I like him more than some guys we've already talked about. I I know there is some injury concern, but every running back we've talked about for the last 20 minutes has some injury concern, and I don't really believe too much in the other running backs in this system. He's going to share. I don't know. It's quite a big a split as it was when Tevin Coleman was there, and if he can stay healthy, another running back with top five upside.
1: I might have to dispute the top five upside thing just because I don't think he gets the touches to be top five. It will probably come down to what his involvement is in the passing game. But as I mentioned uh, last Friday, just the way they use Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith, they split carries not exactly evenly, but from weeks four to 14, Coleman had 95 carries and Edo Smith had 72 carries. And that was with Coleman being a lot better than Edo Smith. Then Ido Smith goes and gets hurt. And in the last two games, Tevin Coleman had only two more carries than Brian Hill. Now, I know we're talking about Tevin Coleman and not Devontae Freeman, but the last time Devontae Freeman was healthy, 2017, he had a very good year, but he was RB 13 in non-PPR, 14 in PPR in about 13 games. He technically played 14, but really just 13, got hurt early. It was a very good year for him, but he did not get the, the share of the workload that we expected. He had... A lot of games. He had eight games with twelve or fewer carries and he stunk in most of them. So I you know, I just I don't think there's top five upside there. But I don't think you have to draft a guy who has top five upside in the third round. Like top ten upside is just it's perfectly fine.
3: Yeah, I, I, I would I, just I, assume ahead, the dude. year that he was thirteenth in thirteen games, I, I would assume he was what, eighth on a per game basis.
1: Uh I don't know, but it wasn't fifth.
0: So what do, you, what do you anticipate touches for, for Freeman? What do you have him projected for, Heath? What do you think?
1: I've, I've got him
3: projected right now for 264.
1: 264? Yeah. Does anybody... Under. Yeah, <laughs> Dave's not going to be quite as bullish.
0: I'm just looking like when Cutter was the offensive coordinator there, it was, I believe, Freeman's rookie season and Steven Jackson hanging on at the end at 31 years old. He played 15 games, Jackson did, and he had 210 total touches as the lead guy but that's only 20 catches for Steven Jackson, who at that point in his career was not necessarily the same type of player. If you just look at it from what they did in terms of throwing to their running backs, it was uh, almost 100 targets between the three guys of Steven Jackson, Devontae Freeman, and Jacquez Rogers at a 624 pass. That's just those three guys. All
1: right, we're basically done with uh, with 2019 running backs. And Derrick Henry, I mean in a non-ppr league, could you guys see yourself using a top 36 pick on Derrick Henry? No. No. I'm 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 out on Derrick Henry. Yeah, okay. Uh then, we'll move on. So, instead we can focus on ADP and talk about who's going too high or too early, but I think as soon as we get past Mack and Freeman, we're going to be down a tier. It you know, Unless it depends on how you feel about Mark Ingram, Josh Jacobs, but but who's next for you guys? Who do you like? Because the next guys off the board are Josh Jacobs, he's RB twenty. We're into round four now, twelve team league. Philip Lindsay, he's probably falling. Mark Ingram, Chris Carson. Who do we like there? And 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 I'll throw David Montgomery in there. That's a group of five of Josh Jacobs, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, and David Montgomery.
0: Love Jacobs, love Ingram, and I'm I'm coming back around on Chris Carson.
2: Dave? Jacobs is at the top of the list for me. Love the track record of running backs with John Gruden. I know we didn't quite see it last year, but there were still some things to like about it. And I just think that he's a really talented running back who can make plays in that offense. Hopefully A B's healthy. That's part of the reason why I like Jacobs, is so A B keeps defenses honest and they can't crash the box on
3: him. I I'll take Carson first, then Jacobs, then Ingram. So what
1: happened to Carson being the a bust? now he's back in our I think we all
2: just kind of remembered that A A he's a healthy running back right now and B he's really good. He was really good last year when he was on the field for the Seahawks and he's they they've kept him as their starter. They've continued to talk up Rashad Penny, but it's not quite playing out where Penny and Carson are going to be headed toward uh, a, a takeover situation where they're grooming Penny to eventually get that job. He'll get that job if Carson doesn't play well but we have no evidence of Carson being a bum.
1: No. Well, you know me. I like to do a little numbers manipulation. So you you look at Carson's season. You take out weeks one and two. He wasn't really used all that much. You take out week nine when he got hurt, which I think is fair. And you take those games, you give him a 16-game pace. His 16-game pace was 329 carries, 1,500 yards, and 13 rushing touchdowns, Chris Carson, with 25 catches for 196 yards. We are talking about a guy who was not very involved in the passing game. Mike Davis led all receivers or led all running backs and catches last year. He's off the team. They say they're going to get the both Carson and Penny more involved. Um, but they used the first round pick on Penny. I, I don't know. Like, how can how can I justify taking him over Mark Ingram? You know, I, I think Ingram's gonna have more catches. They're both gonna be on extremely run heavy teams. Ingram, I don't know, Ingram's been a better player than Chris Carson. Who's taking you know, I'm, Carson I'm, I'm, over I'm... Ingram?
0: I like Ingram better, but it's close. I th- I think they're very similar type of guys. Aside from the what the the history is in the passing game, you know, and we'll see how that translates to what he does in Baltimore. Um, obviously, age is a factor too. You know, Ingram's twenty nine years old, and you know you have to wonder how long he'll hold up if he's getting this much work because he's never had this much work. You know, he's always been in a shared situation. Um, the, the I think the thing about Carson that's gonna be interesting is this defense for Seattle is is losing so many guys now that Bobby Wagner's out for who knows how long with this knee situation. Uh you have, you know, Collier Hurt. Um uh, I forget their pass you. rush is ugly. Yeah, the the they lose Frank Clark, uh what forget the guy who was suspended that had ten sacks from John Reed. Right. Um so I just wonder how this the Seahawks team is gonna operate if they're able to do exactly what they want to do and still, you know, hold the ball as much as they do and, and run the ball as much as they're able to. And maybe it makes Russell Wilson a little bit more attractive, but uh, I think Baltimore's offense is pretty clear what they're going to do. And, and even though they lost all those guys on defense, it's still a very good system. It it just lends itself to, I think, Ingram getting more touches. And I have them back-to-back. I, I think both guys are, are really good. I just think there's a little bit more of a higher ceiling for Mark Ingram this year because of the guys behind him, especially if they get rid of Kenneth Dixon. Justice Hill isn't really the same type of player. Um, we'll see what they do with Gus Edwards. Adam drafted him in the Flex League. He's no, very high on the no, Edwards not. this No, I did not. I
1: did not draft
0: but uh, you know, if I think if both guys stay healthy, I think Ingram will have a better season, but not
3: by much. All right, how would yeah? You, I, I think yeah, that ahead, like the touches thing is the most interesting part, and who's going to share the most? Because I do expect that Rashad Penny gets a bigger piece of the pie than Kenneth Dixon or Justice Hill, but Lamar Jackson's going to take a lot bigger piece of the pie than Russell Wilson is. Right. And so I actually have Carson projected for a few more carries than Mark Ingram. I'm not saying that's necessarily the way it's going to go. But that's the way I see it going. And that may be what it comes down to. They're very similar, but I do prefer Carson.
2: I think Carson gets more touchdowns. I think total yardage will be pretty close to a wash. I might give Carson maybe 100 yards more than Ingram. I like both of these guys in round four. And if you look at them evenly and you think about the the, the backup situation and what you might want to do to handcuff both of these running backs, it's a lot easier to handcuff Mark Ingram because it's Justice Hill in the double-digit rounds versus Rashad Penny. That's a pretty big commitment. you got to make the penny in round six.
1: All right, so moving on. How would you guys rank Philip Lindsay, David Montgomery, and Sony
2: Michelle? Uh, Montgomery is going to be at the top of that list for me in PPR. Oh. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'm going to. I've got Lindsay higher than Sony right now, but I, I'm just like the rest of the universe. I'm getting that gross feeling about Lindsay and this kind of the whole Broncos offense. Not excited about a lot of these guys. And Sony's practicing. He's catching. Pra- he's catching passes. I could. I could see in non PPR, it's easy. Sony over Lindsey.
3: Uh, in PPR, it might be that way pretty soon too.
0: I do it the exact way you said it, Adam. Lindsey Montgomery and Michelle.
3: I'll go Lindsey Montgomery, Michelle, and PPR. I'll go Lindsey, Michelle, Montgomery, and non PPR.
1: Are these guys kind of crazy
3: about Montgomery that
1: you want to get multiple running backs on on the same team? You know. Uh, you know. Get to draft Damian Harris and Michelle draft Mike Davis. I don't know if Terry Cohen really fits because he has his own role. Mike Davis and Montgomery Draft Lindsay and Freeman.
2: Uh, I love the Patriots combo. I think between the two of them by midseason on you'll have one good fantasy starter week in and week out with the bears if you get both those guys that's a huge commit that that's spending a lot of draft no, capital
1: no no mike davis is super late. i'm not talking about Tariq
2: cohen I'm oh about okay davis. i thought you were talking about cohen no. and montgomery i don't yeah I, well yeah, davis yeah. is just the handcuff for montgomery then and yeah you're right that would I don't be think he's that'd just be the pretty cheap i think he's going to have a bigger role than people anticipate they i think they love montgomery oh i don't disagree i with think that. and i and, and you think about what jordan howard leaves behind I don't think Tariq Cohen's going to get more than about 10 touches per game. That's right. But record, I think. And I think you could see Montgomery get 15 plus per week. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He is definitely their bully at the goal line. It's going to be interesting
0: to see if Matt Nagy, now that he has multiple backs to use, is he Andy Reid or is he Doug Peterson? Because if he's Andy Reid, he'll lean on one guy and it could be Montgomery. One guy in terms of rushing downs. I mean, Tariq Cohen's going to have his role. But it's not just those three guys. They're going to give Patterson, Porter Patterson, some touches as well in, in in running situations, you know, whether it's jet sweeps or he lines up in the backfield. You know, we saw that in New England. Um, he could be a little bit of an annoyance, too. I just think that Montgomery, he's the most talented guy, in my opinion. Uh, but will he get the workload? And that's my fear with it, is that, you know, Mike Davis can do exactly what he did in Seattle, which is, be involved in the passing game a little bit, be involved carrying the ball a little bit, and just be an annoyance to these guys. And then if they're chasing points for whatever reason, you know Tariq Cohen's going to be on the field more times than not. I also wonder if, you know, it, it, it goes in similar fashion to looking at Aaron Jones, and we probably don't talk about this enough with the other guys in the division. The run defense in this division could be exceptional, and the Packers are going to be better. So they're, they're fourth but the other three defenses are, are are legit. And you know, if you're still looking at the Bears, they gotta face the Vikings, they gotta face the Lions. I know that, you know, one of those games is week seventeen, but it's still something to consider.
1: Okay, so I have several follow up questions here. First of all, just a a quick response. Is anybody really jazzed about David Montgomery, who, by the way, averaged 4.7 yards per carry in college, which is really not good, and ran a 4.63 40 yard dash, which is also not good, but somehow he breaks a ton of tackles. Is anybody jazzed about getting David Montgomery on your team?
2: I am jazzed. I think he can give you, uh, I think he can be a good volume back for your fantasy team when you're taking him. In, but what's, what's, the, ADP, what's, round what's the
0: volume with two other guys that are going to get touches? I think he's going to get that
2: 15 to 20 volume. Tariq Cohen. 20 has, touches a game? Some games he's going to get 20. Well, some, obviously. Tariq Cohen, in half of his games, he's had 10 or fewer touches. Okay, I don't think they want to overwork Tariq Cohen. I don't think they're gonna overvalue Mike Davis and see him as a guy that's gonna take ten touches per game. So you Maybe think, a you're of saying times. David Montgomery, Montgomery stands for three hundred touches? I think David Montgomery fits right back into that Jordan Howard role. I think that's exactly Three hundred touches. About. I think it's possible. Jordan
1: yeah. Howard had two hundred and fifty carries three straight seasons. So you think do you think Montgomery can get that?
2: I think he can get that. I think that's I think that's part of his upside.
0: I don't think so without an injury.
2: All right. Uh, I like him.
3: I, I, I he's like a him a workhorse. It's exactly what he's like. can, But he's not on the right team the be- to be a workhorse, though. Heath? Can we talk about the best running back on the Bears yet?
1: Yeah, let's talk about Tariq Cohen and James White, and when should they go? They're so format-dependent, obviously, but, you know, we're, we're talking. Now We're in, I'm thinking in my mind we're leaving round four. We're getting into round five. Heath, let's talk about Cohen and James White.
3: Well, Cohen is actually my highest projected bears back in either format. And I tried to normalize a little bit what he did last year. I don't think he'll be quite as efficient receiving the ball. I took away 100 receiving yards. I don't think he'll be quite as efficient rushing the wall. I took away 40 rushing yards. I took away a touchdown. He's still a top 16 back in PPR. He's not quite top 25 in non-PPR, but I have him ranked higher than I do Montgomery. I kind of I like Cohen better than white, but they're very, very similar. They're guys that you're comfortable starting as a number two running back in PPR and they're more of a flex in non-PPR, but they still have value because they're still going to get enough production to be fine as a Flex in that format.
1: It's strange. we've done a lot of three wide receiver drafts and I find myself, Drafting James White as my flex. Nobody seems to, you know, the receivers go earlier, running backs get pushed back. There are three receiver PPR leagues. I'll take a couple running backs, and then my flex ends up being James White, or you know, maybe Tariq Cohen, but I, I don't know why. I think Cohen's going a little earlier than White, but yes, I feel comfortable with them as a flex. They are not high upside guys, though, right?
3: They just, well, they're not going to score because be. yes, I think they all, or at least Cohen is. And Whites, like they're being drafted as the number thirty running back right now.
1: In what? In
0: PPR? Approximately
3: right.
1: i Oh, you
0: asked. You have me? the ADP
3: there? I I yeah, no, it's I'll not look. in
2: PPR and in, in, in non PPR, they're going in that range. Right. And it, it's hard not to say that they're not high upside guys in PPR when they both finished top twelve last year. I'll confirm that. Yeah, they're they're going pretty late. I mean, they're going outside the top twenty, closer to thirty,
1: and they're going back to back in rounds five and six. Alright, some other guys that need to be in this mix, you tell me when they should go. Lamar Miller, Tevin Coleman, and Kenyon Drake.
0: I think Coleman's in the what? in the Lindsey Carson Ingram Derrick Henry group.
2: He should be. I think he's at the top of that group. You'd have you take Coleman I go over marketing. No way. No, nah, I'd go Ingram over Coleman.
3: I yeah. will. Oh
1: man. I hope I get a lot of Mark Ingram. Me uh, too.
0: I am I am getting a lot of Mark Ingram, and I'm thrilled about it.
1: Well, Mark Ingram used to go in the fifth round in our drafts. He Used to go like right around 48th overall, four or five turn. Now you got to invest an in early fourth round pick in him, and I, I am okay with that personally. But Coleman, you know Coleman. I don't know how many catches do you think Coleman gets? I don't. I have a feeling he's not going to get 30
3: catches. What do you think? I've got him for 38. I think that might be a little bit low. He's been very efficient in the passing game when he's been given opportunities. I I don't know what they're going to get out of Jarek McKinnon. I mean, obviously it wouldn't be great if Coleman was just an early downs back splitting with Brita and McKinnon somehow works his way to that third down roll. But I kind of think it's more likely he splits early down work with Brita and he gets most of the third down roll.
2: Ooh, so that doesn't leave a lot for McKinnon then. No,
1: no, I don't know. Sorry, I've also noticed that Jimmy Garoppolo does not throw to his running backs much, or he hasn't so far. Like, you look at Carlos Hyde's season two years ago. He had almost all of his catches before Jimmy Garoppolo took over. And the one guy he's thrown to the most has been the fullback, Juszczyk, who's still there. So that's not a great trend. But are we still taking Coleman over Lamar Miller after the cutting of Deontay Foreman?
2: Yeah, yep, I am. Uh, and a lot of it for me just has to do with not liking Lamar Miller. I don't see him as a I, I see him as a floor play at RB2 if you're going zero RB. And I think Coleman's got more upside.
1: Uh, one of the strangest things yeah, the, is the Mar- thing that's, touchdowns. Go ahead,
3: Heath. Yeah, well, like Lamar Miller's going to finish somewhere between running back 15 and running back 22. It's pretty much what he does every single year. Um, I, I have difficulty saying like, I think Coleman's more talented. I have difficulty saying that he has more upside, though, because we don't think that Tevin Coleman could get as many touches this year as Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller is in a better offense. I know he hasn't scored that many touchdowns. He scored six every year. I've got him projected for six this year. I actually like Miller a little bit more in non-PPR, but I think we could look back at the end of the year and look at this situation and say, okay, we had Lamar Miller, who was the sure starting running back with no one of note that was going to split touches on an offense that we thought was fantastic right. with one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best receivers in fantasy, why didn't we rank him higher?
0: <laughs> but looking at his numbers from a year ago, there's not a lot different from what you said, Keith, in terms of offense. And at the time last year, because Foreman was coming off the Achilles competition, and he had 235 total touches, four, six touchdowns, and barely over 1,000 total yards. I think he is what he is, you know, and so they may find someone, you know, there are going to be several running backs that are going to be cut or potentially traded soon that I think will be interesting to certain teams like Kenneth Dixon comes to mind. I think the Ravens are probably going to move on from him. Where does he end up? Does he go to Tampa Bay? Does he go to Houston? Who's, you know, seemingly going to be in the market for a backup type of guy. Uh, does Duke Johnson still get traded? You know, we could see maybe Giovanni Bernard either cut or on the market. Um, You know, the Jets have a lot of guys, Elijah McGuire, somebody that could be, you know, let go and could take some touches from from somebody, you know, not necessarily being a a good option. But I I just think that Lamar Miller is who he is and he may get a little bit better in terms of what we saw from a year ago, because the offensive line will hopefully be better. But I don't think that you like I, I just look at those two guys in particular, if they both do what they're capable of doing, the ceiling should be higher for Tevin Coleman. But the floor, I think, is certainly safer for Lamar Miller. So what you said, Heath, is accurate. By the time we're, at, we're done, Lamar Miller was the better pick. But if both guys do what they should be able to do, or the hope is what they do, you know, I think Tevin Coleman has the chance to be a little bit better just in terms of his overall production.
2: And you, you can't believe that the Texans are trying to replace Lamar Miller at this point. After making zero moves in the offseason... No, he's their, guy. He's, their, he's their guy. He's their guy. He's their guy. So he's going to get those 230-plus touches. But you also yeah. have Coleman competing with two other guys
0: that have a hard time staying healthy.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, well, th- the thing with Miller, the reason why he is who he is, I've given this stat before, over the last three seasons with the Texans, he's fourth in rush attempts in the NFL. He's fifth in rushing yards. He's 24th in rushing touchdowns and 22nd among running backs. It's the strangest thing. They just don't rush for touchdowns. They rush all the time. It's a heavy-volume run offense. But they just don't run for a lot of rushing touchdowns. And it's also, and you know, fluky. something he,
0: something Heath said over the last several days, including today. Lamar Miller, Lamar Jackson taking away from Mark Ingram. If Deshaun Watson runs a little bit more, that's going to take away from Lamar Miller as well.
2: Maybe. He has 20 games with 10 plus fantasy points non PPR in 44 games with the Texans. So a little less than 50 percent success rate. PPR 15 plus points, 12 of 44 games.
1: Right. Yeah, he's not a catch guy. That's that for that sure.
2: this is the floor that we're talking about for Lamar Miller.
1: Yeah, PPR, not not quite as good. All right, guys, we got about five minutes left. Uh, obviously, we won't get to everyone, but we have another show tomorrow. We'll finish up running backs. So um, I also tomorrow want to kind of look at half PPR and how to value Tariq Cohen and James White. But can I ask you, are you basically not drafting Cohen or White in non-PPR? If catches don't count, I guess when is the time that you would feel comfortable? I I pretty much removed them from my draft board, but how
2: about you guys? Maybe round six if I need a running back. Six, really? Yeah, yeah. Woo. Six for Cohen? Yeah. For what? Oh, Cohen's ahead of White. These guys White is not going to do what he did last year. They're they're
1: they're um, almost all of their value is catches.
2: A thousand touchdowns?
0: It it look so at this receiving yards court. count and look not be at at the this yard. receiving core.
1: Yeah, James James White is going to catch some touchdowns, no question. But yes. So so would you well, take him around six? They have twelve last year.
0: Oh, his touchdowns are coming down. That, yeah. that goes without saying. And but totally, but, but again, you 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 said it. He was a top twelve guy. He's not going to be a top twelve guy. He could be a top twenty guy, though. Still,
1: he's also pretty bad in the last half of the season. Like like really not good, James White. Um, I don't know. I I, I have a hard time trusting guys that don't get consistent carries in non PPR leagues.
0: It, it's it's obviously a risk, but there's no Gronk, and there's no second receiver of note right now for the bait.
1: Yeah, right. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um. So, how about the Dolphins, guys? We'll probably finish on the Dolphins, guys. And tomorrow we'll look at the Eagles, guys. The Redskins. Rashad Penny, Peace. handcuffs. Latavius Murray. How do we feel about uh, Drake and Balage?
0: You started with a Debbie Downer note, and you're ending on a Debbie Downer <laughs> note.
1: Kenyon Drake is going right after Sony Michelle, just before Tariq Cohen. I would take. Well, I think I would take Kenyon Drake ahead of Tariq Cohen in non PPR. Would you?
3: Really, really close. Um I I definitely like both of these guys are so much better in PPR, but I will take uh, Drake over Cohen in non-PPR. Yeah. I and I think the nice thing is like our ADP shows him as a fifth round pick. I've gotten him in the sixth. We've seen him go. I think you got him in the seventh in our last draft, Adam, possibly. I I Drake's going to be a good value still. Bolage is still fine if you can get him in the ninth or 10th round. I don't mind pairing these two backs and hope, hoping one of them becomes a feature back. That's
0: what the Dolphins are doing too. Their first depth chart it was Kalen Bolage or Kenyon Drake as the starter.
1: Yeah or I I'm sorry man, but like how often does a stri- like a primarily pass catching running back have two very good seasons in a row? Cuz a lot of times they had like fluky touchdowns. You know, how many times did Chris Thompson... Kenya didn't Drake
0: play? didn't have a fluky touchdown. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> I'm not even talking about him because I could see him getting work. But I cannot see Tariq Cohen getting 12 carries a game. I cannot see James White getting that. I don't think... James White scored five rushing touchdowns last year. I think he had two in his career before that. I, those guys scare me. Even in PPR, they scare me. I think they get a little bit overvalued. And if the
3: touchdowns come down, well, I think
1: then, then you're in trouble. Yeah,
3: you're right. If they were being drafted anywhere, any like- work... Everyone understands that they aren't going to do what they did last year. They aren't being drafted as top 12 running backs or top 20 running backs in non-PPR. It's not you don't have to pay for what they did last year. It's nowhere close to that. So everyone yes. like the market decides whether they are too much of a risk to for going backwards from last year and the market's already said, "We know they're going way backwards from last year." In fact, I think it's probably adjusted too much.
1: Okay. So then let's finish with this. I'm going to look at full PPR average draft position on Fantasy Football Calculator. And let's see where they're going. And yes, uh, I think you're right. The good value. Tariq Cohen going 59th overall. That's That seems pretty good in
3: PPR. Very good. Very good.
1: And James White going 48th overall. Too high. It's okay. Not great. Yeah, I think it's fine. But only one running back in between them, and it's Sony Michel, 55th overall.
0: Yeah, in PPR, I think Cohen's better.
1: I hate those guys. Drive me crazy. They're hard to preview because every time you talk about them, you have to talk about them in like three different formats. So um, a little bit more on that. Late round picks we like. I drafted two Bills running backs uh, <laughs> yesterday, and I was ridiculed for it, and I accept that. We're gonna
0: we're gonna make fun of you at uh, twelve o'clock Eastern.
1: Oh yes, fantasy football today. I'll be on to defend my picks. It was a fourteen team league, and we were after pick one hundred, so I'm totally cool with it. Uh, yeah. You anyway. justify it however you want. I, I believe me I will. Alright, so uh, we'll finish up running back tomorrow. We're gonna read your five star reviews, we're gonna read your emails, we're gonna talk about the preseason. Uh Did you I, did you uh did you decide on a date for the podcast league yet? No, not yet. I will do that next week. I will announce all the details about the podcast league. Let me just get through position previews. Please, pretty please. Thanks so much for listening, give, everybody. Give the people what they want. They'll they'll get it next week. I'm giving them running back previews. Three episodes. They don't want it, that. Apparently.
0: They wanna be they wanna be in the
1: we should have a lot of podcasts. We should do like 17 podcast leagues. Heath, let's run them. Okay, we're back tomorrow <laughs> with, with another episode of Fantasy Football Today. And Dave, we say.